Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, wearing a, a branded t-shirt for the first time in maybe five years of recording this show, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron Coy. Cameron, what is happening right now? I, You know, I was doing some yard work. This is a shirt that I wear when I... I, I like wearing vintage guitar T-shirts when I uh, when I do yard work. Just when you think we can't level up on the hipster front, Cameron <laughs> takes us there. Fantastic, Cameron. Yeah, you're Fantastic. welcome. Fantastic. You're welcome. Um, so look, kind of a low key show today. I know we've we've missed a week, and you would think, oh man, they've got two weeks of content. Not so really much content. <laughs> it's really just a limited. Um, focused episode and it would have been last week because they did the whole thing where and again we like this they open in the shops first arena comes later uh we're in that window of time i do know that the uh aftermath set has been spoiled but not officially we'll probably dig into that next week um if i'm being honest i just looked at the cards for the first time this morning even though they've been out for a few days um and I would have felt like I was kind of rushing my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. And I always come to the show super well prepared, as we all know, Cameron. I do too. I mean, yeah. this eloquence doesn't just happen on its own, you know. <laughs> the whole thing is red. We we pre-write the whole thing. I'm just going through note cards <laughs> oh God, right if now. That's the case. <laughs> okay, maybe we're not the best writers. Um, but here's the thing, dude. I have played a lot. Of March of the Machines Limited. Sounds like you've played a little too. There's a lot of meat on this bone, so mm-hmm. I kind of want to get your impressions before I, I launch into mine. Uh, the initial impressions are, like, I feel like it's a solid set that I'm really bad at. Um I, I can't tell if it's like go on if it's actually a complicated <laughs> set or if I'm just if I'm not actually grasping like what it's trying to do. Uh, I think not to jump into my thought. I think it's the most complicated limited set maybe ever. Like it is yeah. very complex. Con- continue. Yeah, and I just need to get the reps in honestly because there's a lot there that is super interesting. But this is like I I genuinely think like. A person who's been playing over 10 years now, this is, like you said, like I, I'm struggling and I would have a really hard time telling a new Magic player to go play a midnight release of this. Like, I just think it's it's super complicated, super complex, um, and I just can't fully grok everything that is uh, happening in this set. Um, first and foremost, why are we just... I Every single time I see a companion... <laughs> yeah. It just sours it. So, I mean, like, this could be a very good set. Maybe it makes all sense, but I go into, like, this blind rage when I see... <laughs> tunnel vision, yeah, tunnel vision. I can't see anything other than Jingantha, and I just, like, why? Why do I see this card? Um, so, anyway, I, I, I wish, I genuinely wish, like, those were actually pulled out, and, like, this set could just stand on its own as its own limited thing. I think that would actually help, genuinely. Um, so, I've played... One sealed pool, lost super hard with it, and then did okay with a draft and then played another draft where I just, once again, tanked. So I've been on this kind of like middling, okay thing, my actual first draft, and then I just feel like I just need, like I said, more reps in it. But I also feel like I'm just 
throwing money away because I'm I'm so bad at it right now that I'm just not um, earning my gems back or cards back or anything like that. So it's kind of frustrating. So um, the, the fun fact, though, when you do, um, you know, open up a Thalia Gitrog monster and you put that in your deck, uh, you start winning some games. It's kind of nice. Uh, so I guess once again... This is like the sort of thing where I feel like the the set just feels a little unbalanced. Um, I I feel like there's some really good removals pile on all star. Like I think that's like one of the mm-hmm. <laughs> best cards. Like it would probably be a pack one pick one for me at this point because I just think it's like so good. Um, but then there's like all these other like really kind of garbage. I just like removal spells where. All the creatures feel like they're three or plus, and I have like this instant that is one and a three to deal anything that's three or less power. So like you know, just feels like really unbalanced. Where in a normal limited, I feel like this would be the type of card that would be decent. It would be in the limited pool, and I would be able to remove something on the battlefield. I've had that card so many times in my hand, where what my opponent is doing is just so much larger that. Some of these cards, like the minus four, minus four, enchantment, like all this stuff just doesn't do enough. Um, Yeah, so I'm very lukewarm on this set, but that's all through the lens of I just been losing left and right and just can't fully grasp what I should be doing with this set. I would also say Arena, when you're on rough stretches, it's sometimes like you'll even have like bad drafts where you don't see your first three picks, right? Like (laughs) you could build an entire deck around a card and then mana screw, mana screw, mana screw. (laughs) All right. Well, that was fun. Um, So here's what I'll tell you. Once you get, there's a lot, I have a lot of thoughts here, but here's my overall thesis. This feels like they're saying, we want what was the competitive hardcore player to just be a drafter now. That's how we're going to monetize you. That's where we want you to live. As standard is whatever standard is right now, right? This just feels like there is, this is such a complex and in-depth draft setup that it just feels like, honestly, this feels more complex than Time Spiral did. Hmm. Like this, this it it kind of feels like a cube at times, and you're incentivized to draft a ton of synergy versus a color pairing, and yeah. that is where it gets very, very, very difficult. And the learning ceiling, or the ceiling, or learning curve, or whatever you want to say, is very high. Um, there's qualities to that, though. I will say, once you dig in a little deeper, Cameron. There are more cards printed in this set that say just straight up kill target creature okay. than probably any set in a long, long time. Like the the removal spells you're saying, uh, I've never played with. Okay. Like the minus four, minus four enchantment, the one that nugs and deals three to a player. Like I know that they're there, but those are usually the chaff. But there's like I think there's like three or three black ones that all just say kill target creature nice. in the story. Okay. Yeah. There's one in white that just kills any tapped creature that's got Convoke, so you can cast... There's two Convoke removal spells, plus Stoke the Flames. Like, so functionally, there are combat tricks that you can play when you're tapped out. 
that already is way beyond a normal limited set yeah. in terms of complexity, right? So there's a couple things that I want to say here. I've drafted it five times, and almost every time has been a completely different archetype. I've done tribal Phyrexians. I've had a um, blue-red spells, white-red spells, flashback control. Okay. Okay. And now I've got this this other black and white deck. I've had a green-red, like kind of uh, centers around battles, like and remove because there's a theme, like a sub theme in green-red with battles. There's a sub-theme with blue and black of mill and reanimate. There's a sub-theme with blue and black that's convoke. That, like, we could keep going. Like, yeah. there are there is so... And, like, especially blue is really complicated in this set because of all the convoke things that you can do with it between blue-red and blue-black. So, that that is great in terms of Johnny, me, or you that's going to maybe draft this ten times. But to your point, what if you drafted three times? This is kind of a high learning curve, a little bit of a difficult experience to endure, especially mm-hmm. it's hard to understate. And I don't know if you played much of All Will Be One Limited, but how different. Like, for sure. We're talking first to seventh gear like that. Yeah. And. All will be one limited. I had a much better record in because I just drafted all the two drops in white and then moved on with my life. And it was a it was a terrible set. It was a terrible set. This set though is also I would say, and I'm I'm sure you probably felt this in sealed. There are some bombs that are walls of text that all result in, hey, you're dead. You lose the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like all the, um, have you seen the Praetors that are just straight up their name? Like there's just a Shieldred that's just Shieldred and mm-hmm. Vorticlex. And they can become sagas that are, I mean, ridiculously busted, right? So you have that. There is a Wrath effect that incubates multiple times that is at regular rare. So there's all this like super high powered stuff going on. But frankly, if you draft a high synergy deck, you just smoke those cards. So it's really strange. Um, and what I'm trying to say is I have really complicated feelings about it. I I think I might love it. But then there's moments that I actually, I like hate it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, like there's these moments where I have to like come up with, okay, I'm going to attack with this spirit and then tap my guy to... Um, sacrifice my spirit to ex- to play this card from X. Ex- like, you get into these very legacy kind of like, oh my god, yeah. Are are they convoking this, or do I have to do this sequence of whatever? That's that's a thing that happens in this set. But then there's also times where I just get killed by Sunfall, and I just think, what was the like? Why are we doing this super complex set? And then there's just a wrath that's basically unbeatable because they can create 10 Phyrexians after they wrath. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, the, the thing that I hate the most, and I want to go back to this is, why are the companions here? Have we not, have we not seen enough? Have we not endured enough? I, yeah. Uh, 
I know there are these weirdos that think companions are really fun and limited. Not me. Don't want them. And half the time, they are worthless. They're just like, oh, like the one that has every creature has to be a cat, a beast, or whatever. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. And then there's the one that, um, I, like, all your instant or source, like, basically, it's um, it's free, right? Like, it doesn't cost you anything to put it in your deck, right? And then, you know, there was a moment where I opened a Gigantha, and I was in green-red, and I, like, there's, like, no way I'm going to yeah. play this. There's no, I don't want to do this because... I would have to cut other cards that um, have these dual costs, right? So they're not fun. When you open a Yorian, especially, you feel like all this pressure to do it because you need to. And I feel like it funnels you down a path more yeah. than you would like. And it takes away from this interesting set that actually has its own personality. It's mm -hmm. like it's infuriating to me. <laughs> Well, and, and if we're really down this path of we're going to add all these cards from Magic's history, it really feels like uh, like a, a jab to be like, and the companions. It's like, can we not have pulled literally anything else mm -hmm. from literally any other set? Why aren't those the Lorwyn Planeswalkers? That would have been a heck of a lot more fun, right? Yeah. Um, I do want to say this, like, how are you feeling about the vibe of the set? Because I know you're a slightly newer player than me, obviously, but not like by now you're very seasoned. A lot of different planes, different sets being represented in this set. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that or does it feel kind of artificial? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when you, you pull the Thalia get rock thing, it's like, oh, okay. I, I I get the reference, but it doesn't affect my enjoyment or disagreement of the set at all. You know, like it's just a thing. Um, yeah, I guess the overall vibe of it. Um, I think that I would like it to be just a little bit more focused. Remove those uh, awful companions. Um, but overall, dude, I think I. I I, I like you. I think I like this set a lot. A as like a person who has like learned really bad habits about sealed, I, you know, talk about the cards that we talk about on the show. I go through Scryfall, kind of look at everything. Like, okay, I have a general idea of how this set works. I show up to a draft or a sealed, and I I normally do fairly well. I normally come come out ahead mm -hmm. almost all the time with these things. Uh, this was the first time where I, I genuinely felt like doing my kind of lazy um, homework, I guess, with Draft and Sealed with a new set um, actually punished me in a way that I have not ever experienced before. Um, so I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that being said, there's like there's certain elements of this. Um, it's not Dominaria. It's not like like I really get it, and it feels like a really special magic thing. But it does feel like it's just like it's just gonna you take you out back, and you know, and mm. like you know, whoop you for you know before breakfast. Uh, it's just the, this uh, weird, interesting set. And like I said, I think I just need to spend. This is the first time where I actually want to spend more than two weeks with this, and I maybe just want to really get in it and actually into thick of it and try to figure it out. Yeah. And 
I, I guess maybe it's just a meta concern that maybe it's um, too complex for some people. But it does feel like this is a change of tone. Yeah. Is, yeah. is, is how I would go to it. Like, and, and All Will Be One had a lot of text on cards. I mean, we don't know what the design thought was. Like, maybe the design thoughts behind All Will Be One was more in line with this because of the amount of text. But the, the functionality of the set just didn't come out that way. It was just dumb, fast, whatever. Dominaria United was a, what I would call like a classic slower set. Right, and I really like Dominaria United like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this feels like the first time in a long time, maybe since Ikoria, where they said, "Let's just do something completely different with draft." And again, your mileage is going to vary, but I really do feel like there's 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 something really notable going on here that you that's worth paying attention to as we go down the line like if the next next set looks like this or is this complex then we're like okay this is where they're headed with draft they want these to be a little bit more meaty than what all will be one or the old core sets remember i mean the old core sets were like you drafted that thing twice you got it Mm -hmm. right like it was Mm -hmm. and and like there's kind of pleasure to be had in that simplicity i found um but this is this is just on a different metric. I, I do want to say this. Like I like the battles more than I thought I would. Um mm-hmm. I don't think they're perfect. Um some of them are clearly maybe a little tuned too far in one direction, some mm-hmm. are too tuned too far in another. But it is nice to not feel completely blown out by one. Um yeah. I, th- I think the mileage varies with every single one, right? And like those common battles, uh, yeah, I mean, they're there, but those are the ones that I feel like are a distraction from what I should be doing, which is just outright trying to kill my opponent because that juice just ain't worth the squeeze. Uh, but then there are, you know, I had an opponent who had, um, oh gosh, um, like, the the Teferi, I can't remember the name of it, but it was the Teferi Planeswalker battle. battle and really, really good. You know, I think even in a limited mm-hmm. context, that one was really, really good. So it just really, really depends on the battle, you know, which I think I like. Um, once, Yeah, I, I don't want this in every set, but it is it is kind of a nice little novelty, I think. It's essentially a reverse planeswalker, right? Like I get the sorcery, you get the loyalty counters. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of move on from there. But like, I guess the thing that's nice about them is you feel like you can get out from under them. Um, right now, there is a couple other baseline things that I think are maybe concerning. Black feels, at least in my estimation, easily the strongest color. Yeah. Like by a pretty substantial margin. Like on the common level, especially. Um, every like. I'll have drafts where clearly multiple people are in black. No one is in blue. Uh, I think that'll maybe evolve as you go through it. Um, and I, I, I've, I've found the battles to be good. The bonus sheet stuff I could kind of take or leave because it's the companions problem, which I guess technically the companions are on the bonus sheet, right? But mm-hmm. like there are other cards like the original Thalia or whatever that are just on this bonus sheet. And we've kind of done this a couple times now, right? Where we've, had this sheet of magic cards that we are putting old stuff into the current sets. I think that's fine, 
Uh, sometimes these, again, are so complex um, that it just... <laughs> It feels like Cube because it feels like they're from another planet. Yeah. Right? Like, there's ones that are about equipment or there's the one from, is it from Time Spiral that's uh, one in a blue for a 1-3 everything with toughness one or less can't be blocked. Right? And so, that's cool. Like, you can build a whole deck around that card, right? Because mm-hmm. if you have a bunch of four ones that can't be blocked, that's a big problem, right? Um, but... It's just like this is such a random, weird, like side path that you can kind of go down, mm-hmm. right? And especially um, with something like Arena, I feel like it—I don't know—can't that bonus sheet just be in something that's not like the like? Just give me draft packs of of this March of the Machines clean, <laughs> you know? Because I really do want to just experience it without without this other stuff, I guess. Yeah, and I would say that um, here comes the obligatory flesh and blood mention is that in flesh and blood, a lot of um, what we would think of as like baseline commons, like giant growth, right? Or whatever. Like it, forever in Magic, every set had its own variant of giant growth, yeah. right? Flesh and blood is just like, hey, we're going to put giant growth in this set, right? So they have that kind of like, especially with commons, it's like if they feel like a certain common needs to be in this set, uh, they just do that. And I'm cool with Magic doing that, but that's not what the bonus sheet is. <laughs> that mm-hmm. is, the bonus sheet is like, hey, here's another really complicated rare. So you might have a regular rare, a super complicated bonus sheet rare, and a battle that's a rare in your pack. And just by virtue of that, this set just feels super strange. Um, I, I don't know. Like I feel like this is just me complaining about it over and over again and then going... <laughs> But still pretty good, 9 out of 10. Right? Like, <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's like every discussion I've ever had about Elden Ring. I just complain about it the whole time and go, also maybe one of the best games ever made, but whatever. <laughs> right? Um, I don't know. Any any other thoughts? Like, I haven't touched Standard or Explorer. Um, yeah. I would assume some of this stuff is going to carry over because of the power level of some I, of these I was going to say, like, I think the pylon removal spell, which is the Convoke Black kill target creature or planeswalker like that's going in something like i think that's going to be honestly in like the red black deck it just seems like it fits perfectly as far as like a catch-all especially against the things that red black struggles with which are planeswalkers um so i think that's like uh one that would definitely be worth checking out um yeah and i guess that's it for me, I, I'm, I know there's going to be other things that are going to pop up. Like on its surface, some of these, uh, what, some of these cards are just super, super, super incredibly powerful. Uh, the, um, the invasion of Innistrad, which is like the battle that <laughs> minus thirteen, minus thirteen on a creature, and then uh, you get two zombies, and then you can create more zombies. It, it's like a really kind of powerful enchantment card if once you can flip it and i think you can flip it fairly quickly so um i feel like that's just on like that might create a new deck or something like that that would be worth kind of checking out a zombies deck if uh, you will. oh uh there's also the so i just pulled it up because i couldn't remember but i've seen this now and it's quite good so invasion of gobacon which is one in a white for a three defense uh, 
battle, right? So when it enters, you can exile a non-land card from them and basically tax it for two more. So like Elite Spellbinder, right? Um, and then if it transforms, it says at the beginning of your instep, put a 1-1 counter on each creature that attacked this turn. You can sack these, this enchantment. Create Creatures you control gain hexproof and indestructible until the end of turn. So that is a that is a mono white card if I've ever seen no one, kidding, Cameron. Yeah. Um, all right, hey, let's get out of this segment. Um, come back and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron. So I'm pretty excited because thanks to watching some baseball on Apple TV Plus, I know what Ghosted is. Did it release? Yeah, I guess I didn't know that it had come this past week. And uh, yeah, Ghosted, a new action film starring uh, Captain America, otherwise known as Chris Evans, and Anna de Armas, who is in like uh, Blade Runner, uh, Knives Out. Like she's been in a lot of. She's a um, the Cuban actress that's you know beautiful and very talented and uh, stars also. It wasn't she with Ben Affleck, and this is like what she's famous for as much as anything as one of Ben Affleck's series of horrible relationships. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Cameron, this is going to be yeah. a wicked. But I'm fairly certain the infamous Ben Affleck disappointed smoking a cigarette uh, outside yeah, meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is after she broke up with him. That's but I'll, even I'll have better. To- okay. <laughs> I like her even more now. <laughs> um, so, Ghosted, it's um, a spy thriller in in the vein of something like Mr. and Mrs. Smith um, and True Lies, I guess, you know, where it's like, oh, I'm dating somebody who turns out to be a spy. Oh, and now chaos ensues. And it's funny because um, Chris Evans is just like the kind of clumsy every every day every man i guess you know who's uh studying to be a farmer uh so there's something mm-hmm. to that uh this is a film I'm sorry did you say studying to be a farmer yeah to be a farmer yeah okay okay yeah, yeah. uh I, this was a film it, it was it was kind of weak for me um i struggled I, I thought the the plot just didn't really hit as far as like the big reveal of her being the spy, which it's obvious or whatever, but I don't know something like true lies, something like Mr. And Smith, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, like the way that you can take like this absurd concept of like Arnold trying to pose as an everyman, And he's actually mm-hmm. a super spy. It's funny on itself. Right. And kind of deconstructs that entire thing. This just didn't have that payoff in the same sort of way. Um, yeah. And, I don't know. It, it, it's a movie I, I wanted to talk about just because I feel like if if you're wanting one of these types of movies, check out North by Northwest or mm-hmm. Mr. and Mr. Smith or, or True Lies. I think those are all better films that kind of deal with like this mistaken identity sort of thing better. Um, but hey, if you need something to watch on a Friday night, check it out i guess i don't know a lukewarm middling review i was really expecting a lot from it because i, I mean he even had like anthony mackie and the guy who played bucky in it mm-hmm. uh and you know they're they're spies or whatever it's it's funny like there's some elements that are really good but ah, i don't know man just it 
I, I, I need my action films, and this just did not pay off the way that I was hoping it would. I mean, aren't they going to make like 17 John Wicks by the time it's all said and done, yeah, Cameron? Yeah, yeah. Hey, can we, can we just be honest with each other? I've never finished an entire John Wick movie. I've watched the first half of the first one. Yeah. That's all I got for yeah. you. I, I, they all blend together, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I mean, and it was fine. I didn't find it to be transcendent, but maybe I just need to be in the right frame of mind. Sure. Um, but Cameron, speaking of being in the right frame of mind, here's what you should do if you haven't yet. Advance Wars, Reboot Camp. What do you know about Advance Wars? Have you played in Advance Wars? Years ago, I played in Advance Wars on the 3DS? Sure, probably. I, I think it was a 3DS. Um, and I remember, I think it was actually from you or Dustin, I was recommended. And I remember enjoying it, but I've completely forgot about that series. Like, completely. Well, you and Nintendo, unfortunately... <laughs> Um, so apparently Advance Wars or War, the war series or whatever it's, uh, whatever the actual Japanese, uh, name of the series. So it existed on NES and original Game Boy and Super Nintendo, but never came to the States. And then it came over with the Game Boy Advance. So hence Advance Wars, um, and was also on the DS. I don't know if there was any on the 3DS, but obviously you can play the DS games on the 3DS. Um, and really, 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 really great. Like Matt, like the first two especially are kind of like masterpieces, right? Like they are the perfect tactical experience and they're super great on portable. And I always joked that like the addiction level is like almost like Slay the Spire. Like you put the game in the cartridge into the system and then you wake up in a ditch two weeks later, <laughs> unemployed and without a house. Like, you have no idea what just happened to you because it is just so addictive and thoughtful and charming. It is weird to have an upbeat war game. And that's really what it is. It's a very upbeat anime style and with super upbeat music. And it just, because it has its roots in NES and Super Nintendo games, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, you kind of have this up, upbeat and like fun tone and crazy color palette and yeah yeah theoretically we're blowing planes out of the sky but whatever this is a great time <laughs> and that is i don't know it just kind of highlights the the video gaminess of it but the tactical nature of what you're doing is just maybe the best expression of this ever hmm. like i would always rather play in advance wars over a final fantasy tactics um and I just really think uh, that it's completely worth playing. However, this uh, this cart is the first two games. They've remastered them for Nintendo Switch. In terms of your hour count, that's still going to be like 70 hours worth of gameplay or something outrageous. So, like, the mileage is great. Here's the problem is, and I'm not Mr. They didn't do the artwork the way I like it, so this game is garbage. I think it's still a very, very, very crucial game for people to play and purchase. I think the art style is just a downgrade hmm. from this like 2D anime sprite thing. They do have still an anime vibe, but then they've used a lot of 3D graphics in the both the map and in the battle screens. 
and I, it's hard not to think that it would have just been better hand drawn or, you know, cell shaded graphics. So that was kind of a downgrade. The music is super on point and just super fun. Um, so if, especially you're going to go on a trip, like, mm. man, this thing is money. Cause it's, it's like, it's not real time. It's all turn-based. So you can stop in the middle of a turn. Doesn't matter. Right. And pop back in and everything is so well identified and clear that, you know, whenever you're like, Oh, I haven't played this battle in a day and a half. I have no idea where I left it. You can like survey and figure everything out really quickly. So a plus, 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 plus. So great series. Um, and maybe better than a Chris Evans movie, unfortunately. So time worth time worth it, right? <laughs> yeah. Time well spent. Well, or time well wasted, right? <laughs> like whatever. Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about tactics as it relates to the field of battle, where could they find you? <laughs> it's all on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>